0: truth and love. I'm Lauren Green, Chief Religion Correspondent for Fox News Channel and author of the book, Lighthouse Faith. Um, We are in a whole different world today. Um, That's, you know, sure thing, Um, especially on the issue of transgenderism, uh, transgender ideology, gender dysphoria, all of those things where parents, and sometimes a parent's rights are actually being usurped by the government. Um, For example, a proposed California bill would allow state of the state to take custody of out-of-state children whose parents oppose transgender treatments. Um, then there are the other stories about public school teachers and officials getting kids to start transitioning without parents' permission or knowledge. And then there's the story of the father in jail. He's fighting back against his ex-wife because he he wouldn't allow his child to receive puberty blockers. I think he lost that battle. Um, these are stories that made and make headlines, but I, I saw a story that Probably will never make headlines. Um, so let me back up a bit and tell you about this story. If you're a faithful Christian believing that God made male and female, what do you do if your 12-year-old daughter comes to you and says she's not actually a girl, she's a boy, and wants them to start using the pronouns they and them to refer to her? Uh, this is a real story that happened to a couple. Their daughter took a deep dive into being a transgender boy but what's interesting is what these parents did, or rather didn't do, that brought about their child's transition back to being a girl. This is the focus of an article in thegospelcoalition.org. It's called Transformation of a Transgender Teen. And Sarah ekoff uh, Zylstrom is the writer yep. and journalist and who interviewed the family, and she joins me now. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is
1: such an important story. I'm so glad that we're talking about it.
0: Well, you know, your article was so well-written. It was so heartfelt, so compassionate, um, and not really judgmental at all about the transgender movement. It was just trying to really be, you know, fair and balanced about what's really going on here. Um, And like I said, you're not going to hear a lot of these stories about kids transitioning back and being affirmed for it. It's really the other way around. I mean... um, you know, I should also mention that, I, you know, I asked the family to come on themselves, and they were quite wary of being identified, even though their, their names have been changed in the article and the community not ID'd. And, and that's really part of the story of what's happening in the country, right? It's okay to celebrate the transgender identity, but it's not okay, in fact, almost criminal, to celebrate a reverse of that decision. Um, is that where we are today, Sarah?
1: You know, that's so interesting. I, you can't even really find numbers on the number of kids who have transi- desisted is what they call it when mm-hmm. you transition back to your original gender. Um, I couldn't find a lot of numbers on that. There's not a lot of... Um, You know, it's even hard to find the science when I was researching this, um, any kind of science, or or you have to go to Europe and look at their studies because all the studies that were most, almost all the studies that we're producing here, even by doctors in the medical community, are very much biased in favor of Mm -hmm. doing this. Um, Although, you know, from a clear eyed perspective, anybody who is thinking about having you know inserting hormones into their child or having surgery for their child you would think there would be some um, some red flags along the way and things that we should just pause and really consider before moving forward but that hasn't been the case and it's been very hard for me to find anything that's been um, critical or even balanced honestly anything that's not fully in favor of the transgender movement is hard to find.
0: Right. And an interesting you we kind of mentioned in the article about, you know, no mention in these kinds of, you know, gender or gay affirming, gender for affirming, transgender for forming, uh, affirming, affirming um, groups, that there could be long-term consequences to these puberty blockers, to giving women testosterone, um, um, you know, or, you know, males the other way. And, um, and, and that's very interesting. It's like science is, has science sort of abdicated its authority in terms of really being this dispassionate, just the facts, let me see what's happening kind of, um, kind of organization?
1: You know, I think about it kind of reminds me of the opioid crisis, honestly, Um, and when science kind of goes all in on something, the medical community, we forget, don't we, that that's just people, doctors are just people, scientists are just people too, and they also make mistakes, they also... it's also economic. They're also interested in the money. Um, and so we sort of ascribe to them almost a holiness that I don't think is there. Mm-hmm. So you're right. We make these assumptions that they're making every decision in our, in our best interest, forgetting that they're people just like us and they're making decisions in their own best interest, or they just don't know, or the science just isn't there yet, or they just are feeling a lot of peer pressure. Um, there's a, there are many, many reasons why, say, a medical community would Endorse cigarettes or endorse opioid use or endorse hormones for children. Yes.
0: You know, one of the things that's about science, you've got to remember about science, science can tell you what happens when you do A or B. You know, it can tell you what will happen down the line. It cannot tell you whether this is good or bad. And I think that's where we're at in the crossroads of how we view science. Science, you know, society decides if something's good or bad. You know, you're, you're based on your religious beliefs or your deep-held, you know, spiritual beliefs. I mean, the science doesn't tell you if something's good or bad. It can only tell you what's going to happen if you take this or that. They That's their job. It's not their job to make a value judgment. And I think the problem is is now the science is now kind of – it's hard to tell what's a value judgment and what's hard science, right? I think that's true
1: because I think – You know, one thing that this mom heard over and over again is if you, and from counselors and from pediatricians and from people administration at her school was if you don't affirm this, your child will certainly commit suicide. That's the line that we Mm. just hear over. And now I've got an email inbox full of emails from parents who've read this article and said, this happened to us too. Um, They just tell you, if you don't affirm this a hundred percent, your child will commit suicide. Like it's a, this leads to directly. Right.
0: Right. There's no, there's no in between. There's no, and then that's what struck me about the article. There was nobody on their side in the public forum. You know the only people right. that kind of took their side were at was at at their church, and even that's kind of slowly crumbling down For, um, you know before we go on, like how did you meet the family? like how did they come to your attention?
1: Yeah. So I was actually, I wasn't looking for a story like this. What I was, so the Gospel Coalition exists to help local churches. And what I was actually hoping to do was write a, write a story on how pastors have walked with transgender families. Mm-hmm. But in the course of, of investigating that, I stumbled, at one pastor said to me, man, you should meet this, you know, this couple in my church and their daughter. And when I did, their story was just so compelling that I immediately was like, oh, this is, this is um, something that people should hear. We don't, you're exactly right. We don't hear these kinds of stories.
0: What struck you most about their story, that what they did and what they didn't do?
1: Yeah. So this is um, a, a mom and a dad who have a couple of kids, and one of their daughters, um, who I called Grace— when she was 12 years old, she stumbled onto, or she w- she went onto a social media art sharing website called Deviant Art, because mm-hmm. um, she liked art. And while she was there, she learned she learned um, some of the other things that are happening there are pretty sexualized. And so she heard about being transgender for the first time. Mm. And she told her parents about, she said, what is transgender? What do you mean? A boy can be a girl and a girl can be a boy. And they said to her, uh, they were Christians and they went to church and they said to her, we don't, that's not. You know, we don't. That's not what God. How God created us. You're, mm-hmm. you're how mm-hmm. God created you to be. So she went back on her website and said, "No, I believe God made us male and female." And her mom immediately started worrying that she would be bullied, but she wasn't. She mm. wasn't bullied on the website, and she wasn't bullied at school. Instead, they invited her to the Genders and Sexualities um, Club, which she started attending with them. Like, hey, why don't you come to this club with us now? Our girl Grace is on the autism spectrum and she was not um, a popular girl before Mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. And so it felt affirming even right away to have somebody invite her to go do something. So she would go and they have these clubs during lunchtime. They were unsupervised and it was kids from... Boy, 6th grade to 12th grade, which is quite wow, a range. Wow, that is a range. It is. And they talked about how they felt uncomfortable in their bodies. And they talked about sex. Unsupervised at lunch for wow. an hour. What could go wrong? Wow, um, Yeah. And so after a while, I mean, it only took a couple of months, honestly. And she said, you know, they talked about how they felt uncomfortable in our bodies. Well, every 12-year-old girl, I think, Right. Feels uncomfortable I mean that in whole, her body. I,
0: that whole idea when your body starts changing, I mean, I, you, you, you know, any girl, any woman can tell you, you know, that whole thing is like, you know, I hate, you know, all the things that happen to your body. It's just different. And, you know, and especially for women, young girls who start menstruating, that's a, that's kind of almost traumatic for them. Mm -hmm.
1: Oh yeah. And another thing she said is, boy, I looked around at the girls around me and they were wearing the tights and the little skirts and the little shirts. And she just felt uncomfortable even with the kind of the sexualization. And she thought, is that if that's what it means to be a girl, I don't want any part of that. Mm. I want it. And then first she decided I'm going to be a gender. I don't want to be either one. But then, you know, these kids in her um, Genders and Sexualities Club said to her, "Well, why don't you just take hormones and then you could become a boy?"
0: Wow. Um, and it seemed so easy, right? I, like I'm, oh, I'm just thinking about all the things <laughs> that kids are telling them on school property. Just take yeah. this. Just take. That. I mean, you can't even get aspirin. In a school without your parents' permission, all of a sudden, just take hormones. Wow.
1: Yeah, just ask your mom for that. And so, she decided. Well, that would be even better. than I could be a boy. I'd be bigger. I'd be stronger. You know, I would. You know, not have to worry about the sexual dressing. This is great. Why don't I just become a boy? Um, so then she told her parents that. But here's what caught me the most. Um, her mom said it was. It felt like a cult because she said they just kept saying they keep using the same language over and over a trans woman is a woman love is love you know you've heard them it's Mm -hmm. just the same things over and over and she said what really caught her is at the end of seventh grade, um, over the summer, our girl, Grace, became so much more relaxed about it. And her mom thought, oh, she's coming out the other end, that we're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And then when she went back into eighth grade, the very first day, she said, we were right back in it up to our neck again. And that's when she thought our mom had a background in education and psychology. And mm-hmm. she thought, this reminds me of a cult. Mm. So she bought a book on how to get out of a cult. I kid you not. Wow. And she read this book and um, she applied the principles. There was a couple major principles, and um, it took a long time. I'm not saying it was easy. It took another two years, um, but she worked so hard at it, and they prayed over this girl all the time, and that's kind of what worked to bring her back.
0: You know, the the thing that struck me about the article, like, the, really pretty much on the first line, on the second, third line, is you said, and you Change the names, obviously. Eva is the mother, Grace is the daughter. And you say Eva couldn't breathe. She felt like she'd been punched in the gut. She hadn't seen this coming. In fact, a few months before, Grace had shared on social media her belief that God created people, male and female. Um, And so this, this, this sort of socialization that affirmed her choices really was at the heart of, you know, what changed for Grace was this, you know, everybody's looking to be affirmed in something, you know, and this is what she found? Is that was that, is that what happened?
1: A hundred percent. She said it was like eating the magic mushroom when you're playing the Mario video games. Like mm-hmm. after she said she was a boy, people talked to her. They would tell her how much they loved her, how proud they were of her. People would come out of their way in the hallway to come and chat with her. She felt like she had a lot of friends. And if you think about what is you know, the thing that a junior high girl wants most, right. to be affirmed by her peers, to have people respect her, to have people see you and love you. She said, as long as we were talking about gender or sex, like everyone wanted to know what I had to say. Um, Everyone, you know, they, they just really, just the culture of it. And I don't even know that that was so much like manipulative at that point, as it was the culture in the school. Yeah. To be like, this is a really cool thing. We're really we think you're really brave. You're we think you're really amazing. Um, And that's the message that she heard. And that is what held, I think, just holds you in there, which is why one of the first principles of getting out of a cult is to remove that person from um, from their immediate environment.
0: So they actually homeschooled her at what point? At what what, what point did they actually homeschool her?
1: Yep. They pulled her out after eighth grade. And her mom said, the biggest mistake we made was letting her go on social media. But the second biggest was letting her stay in public school for eighth grade. Um, she's like, I wish we would have pulled her immediately at mm. the beginning of eighth grade, but they didn't. And part of it is that, I mean, she wanted to go to school. Think about how
0: awesome Right. It the was affirming now. that she got yeah. at school. I mean, why it, not go it, to school?
1: <laughs> exactly. It felt good. And so, but they did pull her, her mom read this book um, and pulled her at the end of eighth grade and said, we're not going to have you go to high school here. She said, one of the turning points was in the spring, her mom finally found out that she'd been using the boy's restroom.
0: Oh, wow. But
1: she didn't know. So she called the principal and said, I don't want my daughter who is 13 using the boy's restroom, um, at school. And the principal said, I'm sorry, that's just our policy. You, she, you can use whatever restroom that you want. And so I think that scared Eva even a little bit more. And they pulled her um, and and started homeschooling her for high school, which helped, A, it pulled her out of those relationships. But then the second principle of getting someone out of a cult is to build good, healthy relationships with people who love them, mm. um, which you can, when you're homeschooling, you're at home with your child, you're not just ta- fighting about the gender thing all the time. You're talking about science and English and history, and you're going on field trips. And there's sort of a, a full bodied relationship there that you're working on every day. Um, that that kind of shores up that trust that they have in you.
0: You know, um, you talk about this rapid onset dysphoria, gender dysphoria, and it's that's what it's being called now. But you know, can you explain what that is and how prevalent this has become?
1: Yeah. Well, I wish I had exact numbers on it to share with you, but I can tell from my email, it's happening a lot. Um,
0: yeah, you yeah. Know, Getting
1: messages from parents who are saying like 10% of my kid's class is now transgender. I can tell you that um, of the LGBTQ community in Gen X, which is my generation is 5%. If millennials, 10% identify that way. And then Gen Z, 20%. One out of five Kids in Gen Z who are kids under 25 and under now identify as somebody in the LGBTQ community. However, Mm -hmm. not that many people are actually behaving as if they're in, like, they're sexual. It's not like these kids are actually sleeping with each other with the same-sex person, right? Do you know what I mean? Like, they're not actually doing the activities they're just identifying that way far more like twice as many identify that way as actually behave that way which i think is very telling um it's you know it's an it's an identity but it's not necessarily uh, a yeah. true identity yeah. you
0: know, it's, it's what's really fascinating about the story too is that you know the family thought you know well, we've built these barriers against you know this kind of thing you know had siblings loved jesus uh they attend church um is society stronger than the influence of the church? You know, because that's really the issue.
1: Yeah. You know what I think it is? And I, I hate to throw public school under the bus or social media, but we just spend so much time there. Um, your kids spend so much time at school. If you think about the relationships that were formative for you, it was your friends and your teachers. And you spend eight hours a day there. And maybe you go to sports afterward, and then you're with your coach. and like, those, are, those people just get more hours with you than your parents do. Yeah. And then if you're on yeah. social media a lot, I mean, teens these days, the statistics show they're spending five hours a day on social media that's a lot of time on wow. social media. So I think if you compare that to how much time you're spending eating dinner with your family or going to church or going to youth group, um, you can just see like, of course something that you spend more time doing will disciple you in a more formative way.
0: Yeah. You know, when I was little um, and you know, many, many, you know, <laughs> decades <laughs> ago and everything else, one of the things that was, is very clear, uh, difference between when I went to school and what's happening today is that the uh, culture in general affirmed the biblical values, you know, mm-hmm. male and female, marriage between man and woman, um, you know, you do not steal. I mean, they really did affirm yeah. all of the biblical values and no and everybody kind of took it for granted. I mean, you said Merry Christmas at, um, you know, around Christmas and it was Easter um, vacation, not, you know. Spring vacation. Yeah. So the society in general just affirmed all the biblical values. And then um, as, you know, the society got more diverse, those kinds of things kind of went by the wayside. And of course, the sexual revolution, you know, sort of, you know, issued, you know, a lot of those kinds of barriers, like those kinds of ideas um, and beliefs. And so now you've got a public school system that really has no anchoring in biblical values. And, um What is is a parent supposed to do um, when it comes to, like what's the first thing a parent should do if their child comes to them and says, um, I'm no longer a boy or I'm no longer a girl, I'm now the opposite, what should they do? Hmm,
1: good question. The first thing I wanna say here is I think you're exactly right. And I think this is where it catches a lot of parents off guard. It's not the same public school system as when we were kids, it's just not. I'm not saying that everyone needs to pull their kids. I'm not even, you know, your kid might be thriving there, um, but you just have to be aware that it is a different system. There is a different value system under laying, and that lays underneath every class.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. um so that's, yeah.
0: Right, you know, I wanna take a break right now because I wanna get into uh, deeper into this, but let's take a break right now on Lighthouse Faith okay. Podcast, we'll be right back. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to FoxNewsPodcasts.com. Okay, we're back with Sarah um, Zalstra. um, And she wrote a fascinating article called Transformation of a Transgender Teen of of a teen that um, came out as transgender, a girl came out as transgender boy, and then what her family did um, to come back, to get her to come back to being a girl. Um, now, a lot of people think that this is a bad thing. You know, like I was saying before, is that you're not going to get a lot of affirmation and a lot of positive feedback when you actually transition back to your original um, sex Um, Your biological sex or whatever, gender, whatever. Um, And I think this has got to be harder. Um, But you said in the article that the parents were in it for the long haul. Uh, What is the long haul? And did they realize how long it was going to be? (laughs)
1: They did not. They did not realize. And if this is happening in your family, I am so sorry, but it is going to be a long haul. Um, You can fall into this. Our girl, Grace, fell into this in three months and it took more than two years to kind of work that back out. And the reason is, of course, because the social pressure, as you're saying, is just so strong. It's just so hard. You know, it's easy to pull something out of somebody out of something they don't want to be in. But when they're getting a lot of love and um, popularity and affirmation for it, it's much, much harder to remove them. So I think there's a couple principles that you can think about if this has happened to you and you're thinking about, boy, how can I, how can I sort of rescue my child? Or how can we how can I bring her back mm-hmm, or him mm-hmm. back? The first one. Oh, go, go ahead.
0: Go ahead. Yeah.
1: Um the first one is really um the the counsel that I've heard is to make as few concessions to it as possible. Now I, this doesn't mean like lock them in their room or be mean to them for, uh, by any stretch. But if you can just um ha, lay down some of those principles like look at I'll I'll maybe call you by the name that you prefer as a nickname, but I'm not going to call you by the wrong pronouns. Or, mm-hmm. you know, you can dress. Um, Eva, who is the mom in this story, said to me like anything that wasn't deceptive, we would go along with. So, like, sure, if you want to wear a baggy or shirt, that's fine. But you're not going to wear a man's suit because that's trying to deceive people that you're a gender that you're not. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where they drew their line. And I think what's important about this is if you're wanting your child to come back. Every step they take into the other gender is a step they have to, you know, swallow their pride and take back. Mm -hmm. So the the less ground you can kind of give to them on the front end, the easier that transition back is going to be. If if the you know, especially if man, if they haven't told anybody yet, that would be the easiest yet. Right. Um, If you were maybe the first person that they talked to about it, but the more things that they publicly change. Um certainly hormones or anything that they do medically is almost impossible to change that fully back. Um, but even anything else, um, the less that you change, the better that is kind of the first principle there.
0: You know, um, you talked about in the beginning that, you know, you began this researching this article, which you thought was going to be about how pastors walk with transgender um, young people, teens. Um, what is the church kind of doing? Do they have any kind of resources for pastors? Um, have churches actually acquiesced to to this idea of uh, gender dysphoria and you need to just simply affirm that choice? Uh, what are the churches doing?
1: What a good question. This is, as you might expect from American churches, all over the map. Hmm. So some of them would are fully affirming. Some of them are fully not. Many of them even if they're fully affirming, there, there aren't a lot of, most transgender people um, don't feel comfortable going to church. And I, I mean, I, this is, a, especially if it's a church that teaches um, the biblical truth of, of men and women and mm-hmm. gender, it's just hard to be there. So you won't, won't be surprised they're just not going to be there often. Right, right. It's more often that pastors are walking with the families of people who like parents, whose children or siblings or somebody else. So that's kind of where the discipleship has been of like, how can we help you think about this wisely and biblically and winsomely so that you in a kind can love your family member back to the truth has been where the, that emphasis has been. Although I will tell you it's new, it's new for the church. Um, a lot of pastors haven't walked with anybody yet, or maybe one or two people. And so it's not like they're I haven't come across like a full-blown, really effective program yet. It's just too young for that.
0: Yeah, you know, it seems harsh for in this day and age in the general public, it seems harsh when you inflict the biblical view that God made them male and female, you know, that there is this, you know, know, it's just binary. There is no, you know— I was born a boy, but I feel like a woman. There's, or, you know, all of the. There's none of that, and it seems kind of harsh. How do parents who believe that the be, believe that you know God made them male and fe- female, the binary choices? How does a parent kind of, you know, walk that path without offending their child? You know,
1: mm. you know, that's such a good question, and I a couple of thoughts come to mind. One is. Um, you have to love God more than you love your child. And this is such a hard one, but you mm. just do. You have to love God more. Eva said to Grace when Grace got offended, she's like, if my choice is between offending God and offending you, I'm going to have to offend you. <laughs> like, you have to love God first and best. And that's actually good for your child because otherwise you're making your child your God and no child can can bear the weight of that.
0: Right. Oh, my goodness.
1: The second thing that comes to mind is it does seem harsh, but if you look at, um, and I've been looking at anxiety and depression rates, um, and even as our society becomes more affirming of LGBTQ, those those anxiety and depression rates are skyrocketing. It Hmm. is just so hard to try and make your body be something that it's not um it's so uncomfortable it's just and you're just really focusing and so you know kind of uh swimming in that anxiety and depression i just think it's just such a very difficult thing to even choose um so there's it's there's not there's no joy long-term real deep joy there and so i think if you can remember that um you know, it's like your kid doesn't want to do something or, you know, you're making them do something that mm-hmm, they don't want mm-hmm. to, but it's good for them. But and you know it, but they don't. That's kind of the position that you're in.
0: You know, um, a few weeks ago during Pride Month, Fox did um, a piece on um, a transgender a family who supported their child's transgender born a girl. And uh, hated wearing um, girly things. And th- they went to a s- support group and it was all affirming for the trans transgender youth. So, so it was like a boy. And it was the mantra, you know, I would rather have a live son than a dead daughter. And that those were the choices. But they said the jo- the child was, um, you know, kind of did not like girly things from a very, very young age. Well, you know, what is, I mean, can you... Can you choose that gender that early in your in your life? Can you know what you are or, you know, and I know that uh, it got a lot of pushback from more conservative uh, media outlets like Daily Wire. Um, They really did. They blasted the story. So can a child, though, make those decisions early on and should a parent be paying attention to that?
1: That's an excellent question. Um, I do think there are legitimately people who have gender dysphoria. I think it's such a small number. I think honestly, they're getting lost in this. I think there are people who, are, who genuinely have, um, and it's not something that they choose or they love. It's something that went wrong somewhere, right? Just mm-hmm. like anybody who you're like, oh, well, let's get you some help. Um, so I think there are people who, for whom that is genuinely true. I don't think not wanting to wear girly clothes as a little girl means you're not a girl. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I think our definition of a boy and a girl have become so narrow. And if you're not in this very narrow, girly definition, that means you're a boy. I just think what happened to girls who are all, well, like to wear all manner of things and like to do all manner of
0: things. What happened to tomboys? I mean, the, I, mean I, always yeah. felt, I always felt so bad for boys because, you know, you could be a tomboy as a girl and it was all cool. You know, you wear the jeans, yep. you wear this, you know, and then as sooner or later you kind of grew out of it and your parents just, whatever, she's a girl, but you know, she's tomboy. And that, and that was kind of yep. like a cool thing, but you couldn't be a feminine boy. That for the culture was the kiss of death. Have we put too much pressure on young people sex wise that they um, that that we've defined what it means to be feminine and masculine instead of understanding, you know, you know, you know, know, let's let me put it back Mm -hmm. this way. I mean, God says I made the male and female does not say I made supermodels and and macho men. (laughs) You know what I mean? We we've we've applied those. We have put those things on being male and female. But God has not
1: yeah and not only that but we're pulling it down so young um if you're t- saying to a you know a nine year old or an 11 year old that unless they have sexual feelings for the opposite gender then maybe they're a gender, or maybe they're transgender or maybe they're a lesbian um that sounds to me like or maybe they just haven't gone through puberty yet mm-hmm. maybe it's too mm-hmm. early for them to feel anything they're perfectly normal um I just think we've pulled it down so young and you're right. Put so much pressure on that. We've twisted it in some ways.
0: Wow. Um, So going forward, um, you know, what would you like in terms of recommend? Would you recommend if if a parent decides, I don't think my child's gender dysphoria is healthy. And this is a choice that they've made. um, You know, where do they go first? I mean, hmm. do they go to the church or do they seek out a therapy? You could find hard – it would be, fine, it'd be hard to find a therapist, a licensed therapist, who would not affirm the child's gender choice. Yes, I, many times it's illegal, yeah. Right, it's illegal to actually – um bring a child back from the 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 gender of that of their choice they say i feel like, you know, like a girl says i feel like a boy so you're not going to find a therapist a licensed therapist who's going to try to talk her out of it right so yeah. where does a parent go that is a
1: great question Um, there are a couple of resources, even in this story, there are a couple of links. There's just not a lot, you guys, I wish there was more. Um, my email is at the end of the story and I have just like a couple articles that I can email to you. Mm -hmm. Um, there are some places that you can find online, um, some support groups. They're small, they're, they're few and far between, um, the, you know the books just haven't come out yet, and it's just I guess like Abigail Schreier's stuff or some other stuff. Basically, if Amazon um, is fighting the book, that might be a book that you're interested <laughs> in. Um, so just you know, I think you do if go to your church for sure. Even they might not know what to do, but they'll love you and they'll pray with you, mm-hmm. um, and they'll walk with you through it. And so just you know, getting your friends to pray with you, and then. Um, just kind of these common sense things that Eva did of uh, building your relationship with your child and asking them questions, um, getting them out into a different place, just, just um, loving them, showing Jesus to them at the root of the transgender movement is a desire to be different, right? A mm-hmm. desire to be mm-hmm. better, a desire to transform into something more perfect or beautiful. You know, it doesn't that's, uh, that's just a Christian desire right there though right, like we right. all that's what Jesus offers us right is to transform into something different and better and the holy spirit working in us to to become um you know who
0: we were always meant to be.
1: So there's a good desire under it. I just think it's gone sideways.
0: Yeah. I have to imagine I mean a lot of people are not going to be reading the article who don't want to transition their teen back to being their, you know, biological sex but Um, were there did you get a lot of negative emails by any chance?
1: You know, I got one and it wasn't so much negative as it was like, oh wow, you know, I guess you don't affirm transgender people, or you know, it's like, yeah, well, this article doesn't really. Um, but it was, I thought I was gonna get way more. Mm -hmm. So I was actually really surprised. I thought I was gonna get a ton of pushback, and instead, kind of heartbreakingly, I just have I you know, I just have dozens and dozens of emails. From parents who are saying, "Thank you," I I felt so alone. Mm. I felt like I was the only one out here that wasn't affirming, the only one out here that was worrying about, "Hey, I don't really want this for my kid, but I can't say it out loud." And, you know, what on earth am I supposed to do? So, um, you're not alone. If this has happened to you, you're really not. It's just that people are too scared to say it. I think or you know, too yeah. embarrassed.
0: You're too not gonna, really, and you're not yeah. going to find the affirmation out there. I mean, you've got a government that basically says these these categories will be affirmed. Um, you yeah. you have to sign these sort of, you know, um employment contracts, basically, because this is what the government has affirmed. I mean, it's under the guise of anti-discrimination and nobody should be discriminated against. You know, nobody should mm-hmm. be di- because of, you know, whatever their sex or their gender, you know, and nobody should be. But then the there's a difference between non-discrimination and then saying, but I don't affirm this choice. I don't mm-hmm. think that this choice is 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 biblically based. I don't think this is God's intention for this choice. And mm-hmm. that's kind of where we are right now. This is a crossroads. You know, at one point will a Christian who says, I can't affirm this, at one point I mean, is there a possibility that these kinds of people will be simply um, taken out of the market square, taken out of the, you know, the public square because, you know, you don't agree with this. I mean, this is another form of fascism.
1: You know, it's possible in one conversation that we have at the Gospel Coalition is talking about how to support churches um, who might have to also do some financial support. If you have a member who works in a public school and, you know, refuses to use the the wrong pronoun um what are you going to do you have to and they get fired from their job you've got to pro- you know do you provide for them financially i would hope the church would mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. or like how do you um you know how do you support your members who you're exactly where are in a world that's increasingly um at least in this aspect very much opposing what the bible says
0: yeah. This is a very interesting conversation. And we, uh, we've run out of time. But listen, um, Sarah, I, I want to re-mention um, the article. Um, it's called Transformation of a Transgender Teen uh, by Sarah Zylstra. And it, you can find it in the gospelcoalition.org, thegospelcoalition.org, thegospelcoalition.org. Um, is that right? Did I say it right there? That's right. You got it all right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you, I mean, you're, you're so right. I mean, I think a lot of people, a lot of parents really want to know because they're just being inundated with um, what's right and wrong for your teen according to um, things that are against their biblical values. So they just need to know that there are other people out there and they can contact you and read the article and find some other mm-hmm. resources. But they, are not, they definitely aren't alone. So
1: Yeah, you're not alone. And it's not inevitable and it's not irreversible.
0: All right. Thank you so much, Sarah. I really appreciate you being on Lighthouse Faith Podcast.
1: Thank you so much. I just really loved being here.
0: (laughs) Thank you. And thank you all for listening um, to Lighthouse Faith Podcast. I'm Lauren Green. Have a blessed day. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.